Welcome to Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors. Welcome to the Cowan Future Health Podcast, a part of Cowan's fifth annual Future Health Conference held virtually this year on June 24th and 25th, 2020. Over the past five years, the Cowan Future Health Conference has brought together thought leaders, innovators, and investors to discuss how the convergence of healthcare technology and consumerism is changing the way we look at health, healthcare, and the healthcare system. My name is Charles Ree, and I'm Cowan's healthcare services analyst. And in this episode, we talk about the role of technology in the provider setting. Technology is playing an increasingly important role in optimizing the workflows and reducing the administrative burdens of providers. And to help us explore this topic, I'm joined by Bill Korn, CFO of MTBC, a healthcare information technology company that helps uh, customers increase revenues, streamline workflows, and make better business and clinical decisions while reducing administrative burdens and operating costs. Welcome, Bill. Thanks, Charles. Great to, uh, to be here. Great, thanks. So, uh, Bill, why don't we start out with a little of your background and uh, you know how you got uh, found yourself at MTBC? Sure. So, I am a, uh, a CFO who has spent uh, my career in fast-growing technology businesses. It's actually my uh, my seventh uh, CFO gig. Uh, I joined MTBC about seven years ago. Uh, I was uh, I was doing some uh, some board advisory work and uh, was approached by the, uh, the founder of, uh, of MTBC uh, who had heard about me and said, uh, Bill, we're getting ready to go public. All we need is a, uh, is a CFO and we'll be public in, uh, in two months. I laughed, especially because at that point, MTBC was a, uh, was a $10 million company, but I thought his idea was actually pretty interesting. Uh, and that was to, uh, to buy a couple other companies at the time of the IPO to start to give us some, uh, some scale. Uh, it took us a year to do that, uh, but uh, MTBC has, uh, has now been public for six years. Uh, we've done 15 acquisitions since then, and uh, today we're, uh, we're over a $100 million company. That's interesting. And, and so maybe I'd uh, love to talk about the, the strategy in a little bit, but maybe to start, can you talk a little bit more about MTBC and what actually you guys do? Sure. So we're a classic healthcare IT company. And, and what that means is we, we have clients who are mostly doctor practices, uh, some hospitals as well. Uh, we typically do their billing. So we send the, uh, the claims into insurance. We advocate on their behalf. Uh, we provide the technology platform. Uh, so we've got a certified electronic health record system. Uh, we've got a practice management system, which is used to, uh, to keep track of the appointments and the insurance eligibility. Uh, we've even uh, launched a telehealth app last year. Uh, so you know, today, everybody's heard of telehealth. Last year, nobody knew what it was. Uh, so we've developed a lot of this uh, technology uh, in-house. Uh, and typically, as we've bought companies, uh, for the most part, uh, what we've done is looked for, uh, for operations where we felt we could add value uh, and where we, could do, uh, where we could add customers and add business more cost-effectively than, uh, than doing it through traditional sales and, uh, and marketing activities. And uh, so over the years, as, uh, as MTBC has, uh, has grown, uh, we've added uh, capabilities. Uh, we're serving doctors in all 50 states. We're probably serving every specialty that, uh, that's out there. Uh, when we bought CareCloud at the beginning of, uh, of this year, 
uh, we picked up a, a second uh, EHR and practice management suite, uh, one that was designed with additional complexity, uh, so we could even uh, you know, down the road uh, think about a platform where we have a, an easy to use, easy to learn uh, entry level, and, and, and then we have a pro version for, uh, for people who want uh, more capabilities. Uh, but fundamentally, we've got the uh, the team in-house. We've got uh, over 2,500 employees, uh, a large number of them overseas, uh, but there still are employees working for our wholly owned subsidiaries uh, and, and you know, com completely looking at, uh, at how do we provide better service for our clients than anybody else could. So that, that that's great, Bill. That's helpful. Maybe, you know, you touched on uh, a little bit about your customers, uh, most being physicians. Can, can you give us kind of a breakdown? Is it, you know, most all, all physicians or you suggest you indicate there were some hospitals, you know, what, what's the, what's the mix roughly? Yeah. So, so in terms of the, uh, in, in terms of the, uh, the client base, uh, the vast majority are, are doctors practices. Uh, we have a lot of, of relatively small practices. Again, when the uh, when the company was uh, was founded, we we tended to uh, to focus more on the one to ten doctor practices, uh, at least in part because that that was a space that uh, that we knew well. Uh, the founder's wife is a uh, is, is an internist in a solo practice, and so our initial uh, initial uh, platform development was done. You know, in the office of a uh, of a real customer trying to uh, to meet her needs. Uh, over time, we've uh, we've gotten bigger uh, clients. Our largest client right now is a uh, physical therapy and rehabilitation practice uh, with over 1,800 providers. Uh, we also serve a uh, you know, probably a couple dozen hospitals. Most of those relationships have come through uh, through acquisitions. Uh, we tend to be doing smaller amounts of services at those hospitals. Uh, so right now, I think the uh, the largest client uh, dollar-wise uh, is that uh, rehabilitation practice. Uh, but with our most recent acquisition, we've picked up some uh, some additional hospital relationships. So it could turn out that uh, that that by 2021, uh, we've actually got uh, got a bigger client who's actually in the uh, in the hospital area. That's interesting. That's helpful. Um, you know the. Uh, it seems like still a lot of the uh, the company's revenues is still generated largely from uh, revenue cycle management. Uh, when you look out into these space, there are a number of different uh, rev cycle platforms available to providers. Uh, you know, what would you say differentiates the MTPC uh, solution? Yeah. So you know, while you're right that the majority of the revenues uh, say they're revenue cycle management, uh, our strategy has always been to uh, to give our, uh, our revenue cycle management or billing customers access to the whole platform. Uh, and so, you know, even though they're paying us a percentage of what the doctor, doctor actually collects, uh, in fact, they're actually using, in many cases, the practice management system, the electronic health records uh, software. Uh, and because they're paying one bundle fee, there's no good way to, uh, to break that, uh, that revenue out. Uh, but we think that, you know, first is a, is a big differentiator uh, that we give people the whole uh, the whole platform. Uh, in fact, many times we we bought companies uh, that have just been in the revenue cycle space uh, that are just doing the billing, and, and their clients are using third-party uh, platforms. Uh, and, and we tell those clients, you can keep paying the same fee, we'll honor the contract, but you now have access to the entire uh, the entire suite. 
and I think uh, by having a system that uh, that's designed to uh, to work together, you know, this allows us to uh, to work seamlessly. It gives the uh, the doctor one place to uh, to look to make sure that everything is done right, and we think that that's what doctors want today. Uh, they don't want to be dealing with uh, with a half a dozen different vendors, uh, trying to make sure that uh, when the, when there's a problem, was it the EHR system that had an issue? Was it the practice management system? Did somebody make a mistake in the uh, in submitting the bill? They want it all uh, seamless with essentially one throat to choke. Uh, that well, I, I can I can I can see why that might be easier for the uh, from their end. Uh, any do you have any breakdowns for what percent of your clients are using more than one service? Yeah, so uh, so at this point I don't have a, a good number. Uh, it's been less than a week since we bought uh, Meridian, and that's our uh, our largest acquisition to uh, to date. Meridian, while they've got revenue cycle management, they've also got a uh, a platform. You know, maybe not quite as advanced as uh, as ours, uh, but I think they've got a lot of clients who are using uh, one or more pieces of their technology, as well as the uh, billing. Uh, when we bought CareCloud in uh, in January, uh, they have a uh, a platform, uh, actually a pretty advanced uh, platform, uh, and in fact, in the, in their case, uh, all their clients are using the technology, uh, and only about a third of them were using uh, billing at the point that we bought them. Uh, so I don't have a, a good figure, but I, but I, I suspect at this point the vast majority of our clients are, are using us for more than one uh, thing. And, and over time, as we work on uh, on integrating the uh, the platforms and the service offerings, you'll see more and more of that. that okay, that's helpful. Um, uh, obviously, your your growth has been uh, driven a lot by M and A. You know, what does the current M and A? landscape look like for you uh, and maybe kind of give a description of sort of how as you've grown sort of the, your folks in terms of what kind of uh, targets you're looking for has changed. So uh, so we've done the uh, the, the two largest uh, transactions that we've uh, we've ever done uh, both happened in uh, in 2020 and while the year is almost six months old we've more than doubled our uh, our size uh, this year. And I guess what that uh, what that tells us is that even as you get bigger and and people always worry, ah, now with this latest transaction, there's going to be nobody else to uh, to buy. In fact, you know we're stronger, we have more capability, and, and we have you know we have more of an ability to uh, to put together uh, bigger game changing uh, deals. You know, for uh, for us, uh, when we bought CareCloud in January, our initial take was we spend at least the first six to nine months integrating the uh, the transaction before seriously looking at a uh, at another uh, at another major acquisition and i think you know, we we looked at the economic environment uh, after covid and we said you know while while we're doing really well we can see that uh, that others are struggling uh, so we proactively raised some uh, some money we did a uh, we did a public offering in uh, in April. Uh, it actually turned out to be the largest uh, chunk of money we raised in, uh, in in one transaction, and it was a six hour uh, six hour deal in total. Uh, and, and we did that specifically so that uh, so that if we identified a uh, an acquisition target, we could walk in saying, "I've got cash. I don't have. I don't need any contingency. I could close this deal next week if you'd like." And, and I guess 
we found that that strategy works well for us in, uh, in acquisitions. When we can, uh, can come in uh, ready to, uh, to make an offer, it might not be the highest price. It might not be the number that the seller was hoping for. Uh, but if they want certainty that the deal can get done, we can get it done. And, and again, we've done enough of these transactions uh, that we've got enough of a team uh, that can jump on the due diligence. And, and of course, every time we buy a company, one of the things that we uh, that we get is uh, is more good people. Uh, you know, and they and they were on the sell side before. Now they can be on the uh, the buy side, helping us to uh, uh, to evaluate it and and, and to see immediately. Uh, whether a deal makes uh, makes sense, and, and and a part of the uh, the yep. process that we always uh, go through uh, is we look at where they are, and 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 again because you know we're we're not looking to pay top dollar. You know I would say candidly, our focus is on a company that's having some challenges. You know we don't want a business that's already growing and generating 35% uh, profitability each year. Uh, if we found that we would not make it so much better. So therefore it wouldn't be worth a lot more to us than it was to the, uh, to the seller. Uh, so we yeah. look for somebody where there are some, uh, some challenges where we know that we can, uh, can make it, uh, make it better. And, and again, you know, those, those companies are out there. They're, uh, they're easily available to, uh, uh, to identify. And, and, and we're really excited about the, uh, the two transactions that we've been able to, uh, to close this year. So, Bill, you know, uh, speaking to that, right, so a lot of your growth has been driven by acquiring companies that, uh, when I look back uh, at what you guys have done so far, a lot of them have challenges. They had either funding issues or, you know, the operational issues. Uh, you've been able to incorporate them and kind of continue to drive the growth. You know, what is, uh, two questions really first, what, what is the landscape for that type of asset in this kind of market out there today still, right? I, I think a lot of times investors look at it and say, well, you got the, the Cerners of the Worlds and the Allscripts and the, you know, uh, you know, the other kind of traditional EHR vendors out there, uh, you know, Epic, Meditech, but, you know, when you particularly look at the physician space, I, I think there's an assumption it has become more consolidated. How fragmented is it still currently? And then the second question I had for you is, you know, the growth driven here by M&A, a lot of it is you're, you're picking up um, clients uh, through these acquisitions. Can you talk about sort of the retention rate that you've been able to maintain, uh, you know, with this strategy? Sure. So, you know, every time we do a transaction, uh, especially when we do one and, and, and it's the biggest that we've ever done, you know, people, people's natural reaction is, well, boy, you know, it's never going to get any bigger. So, you know, I've just seen the, uh, the biggest, best deal that you'll ever be able to do. And, and of course, the next deal turns out to, uh, uh, to be bigger and, uh, and better. Uh, so I would, I would say that there's still plenty of opportunities, especially when you say each one doesn't have to be cookie cutter. So, you know, I could buy a company just to pick up their other uh, clients, but maybe there's a piece of technology that would be interesting to, uh, to integrate. You know, maybe there's someone providing another service to a similar client base, uh, providing me with cross-sell opportunities. So, so we think there are plenty of, uh, of, of options that are, uh, that are out there. And while M&A has, uh, has certainly been the biggest engine for our growth, we were growing at a, uh, at a uh, high single-digit organic growth rate uh, the last couple of years, you know, which doesn't sound exciting, but it's probably more than, than virtually anybody else who's, uh, who's out there in the, uh, in the space. Uh, and that was at a time 
when candidly we were not spending nearly as much on marketing and sales last year our marketing and, uh, and sales as a percentage of revenue was something like three percent which is which is really low uh, when we bought carecloud in january they were outspending us uh, probably four to one for for a company that was uh, that was half our size, uh, and and we've kept the, uh, the that same level of, uh, of resources. So, you know, this this uh, 2020, I think, uh, has the uh, the promise to be our, our our biggest year in terms of the organic growth. You know, in addition to the uh, to the biggest year for uh, for M and A. And, and you ask about retention, and, and, and to us, retention is uh, client retention is really important. And we recognize that uh, that through the industry, you know, there is a certain amount of turnover. I mean, doctors get old and retire. Sometimes they sell their practice. Sometimes they're not getting reimbursed by insurance at the level that they that they wish they were, or that they think that they were in the past. And you know, for a uh, for a doctor. Sometimes the easiest thing to do is to say, look, it, it must be my billing company. It must be the company who's following up on my, uh, on my claims. Let me get someone else. Uh, I'd say when we, when we buy companies, we know that there's, uh, if the company's had some challenges, we know that there's a certain number of clients who are going to be looking at alternatives before we got there. Uh, so it doesn't surprise us when the first couple months, uh, there will be people who will say, okay, I'm, I'm switching. And by the way, you know, I made that decision four months ago, long before MTBC was on uh, on board. Uh, but we find that uh, that over time, clients get stickier as we're doing multiple services, as they're using the technology platform, they get uh, stickier. And again, we're uh, we're only five and a half months into the uh, into the CareCloud uh, acquisition, uh, but I'd say that uh, that so far. Again, because all those uh, clients were using their technology, uh, we've done very well in terms of, uh, of keeping clients. And, and our goal is uh, we, we typically see the, uh, the attrition at the 1% a, uh, a month rate on average. Uh, again, with it being higher in those first, say, nine months, typically lower as the, uh, the clients are more mature. Uh, you know, we think we're with, with, with the most recent acquisitions, we're actually uh, doing better than that, and uh, and again, you know, when when you can when you can go to a uh, client and say the price is going to be the same, the work instead of being done by a, uh, a third-party business process outsourcer sourcer is going to be done by one of my employees. So we're going to care a lot about it. And by the way, I'll give you some technology that you might have had to uh, to, to spend uh, extra money on in the past. You know, we think that's a pretty compelling proposition. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying here. Um, you know, you mentioned Meridian Medical uh, a little earlier. Um, you know, this is obviously, as you as you know, one of the large acquisitions you've kind of done to date. Uh, you know, can you can you talk a little bit more how this fits into the portfolio? You you really talked about their clients using more of their technology, less of the billing. Uh, you know, I think you know one of the, the things that they have is something called a robotic process automation solution. You know, uh, can you can you talk about that uh, a little bit more? Sure, sure. Good, uh, good question. So Meridian's an interesting company. Uh, it started out as a uh, there was a business that was a division of GE Healthcare uh, that was uh, spun out and, uh, and and acquired by private equity back in 2013. Uh, 
developing uh, healthcare uh, IT uh, technology. Uh, in the uh, the PE firm, uh, then in 2014, bought a uh, company named Origin Healthcare uh, in the revenue cycle management business, and uh, and marry the uh, the two together. Uh, so when we looked at uh, at Meridian, there were really two things. You know, one is we're picking up the uh, the clients, uh, including some uh, some hospitals, uh, and, and we're we're picking up a good revenue base, and and so that was that was enough for uh, for us to uh, to look at uh, look at it and justify the uh, the purchase price. Uh, but in addition, we looked at the uh, the technology, and I'd say we're uh, we're pretty excited about it. Uh, so when you hear about robotic process uh, automation, uh, you might envision R2D2 rolling in and, uh, and examining the patient. It, it's probably not quite as uh, as colorful as that. Uh, it really provides a little more assistance to the uh, to the doctors. Uh, and and we've already got artificial intelligence that's embedded within uh, within our platform. Uh, that's been a part of uh, of Talk EHR for uh, for years. Uh, but we think that uh, that the uh, microbots that have been developed by uh, by Meridian, uh, we think have some uh, some capability to extend that even further. Uh, so we're going to look at how do we take that technology, uh, embed that more broadly into our platform. Uh, when we bought CareCloud in January, uh, they've also got a, uh, a leading edge uh, practice management and EHR system, uh, and we think that the uh, that the uh, the, the microbots and the uh, robotic process automation will work well in uh, in, in that setting as well. Uh, Meridian's also got a uh, an EHR. I'd say candidly, their EHR is a little bit older technology than uh, than ours or uh, or CareClouds, and, and so we're already on a on a roadmap to uh, to merging our platform with CareClouds. More likely than not, and it's, it's you know we've we've owned this company less than a week, but more likely than uh, than not, we'll uh, we'll find a way as we uh, as we come up with one integrated offering uh, to migrate uh, Meridian's uh, EHR and, and practice management uh, base seamlessly into uh, into a next generation platform. That that's helpful, and uh, you know, do you have a sense of timing of when that that would occur? Is that something we can expect? Uh, in the next year, or is that a little bit maybe further out? You think? You know, I, I would say let it, it, it. It's it's probably a little too uh, too early to uh, to mention that. Again, we we bought CareCloud in uh, in January, and uh, you know, we we looked at the, their platform, uh, and we looked at the work they were doing on a next generation platform, and 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 we're well underway in terms of that uh, that integration. Uh, but even so. Because doctors really depend on this for their uh, livelihood, and, and patients sort of depend on, uh, on on this technology being right and secure for their lives, it's not something where you want to make a change overnight. Uh, so it's not like I've got a uh, you know something that's that's broken. What the technologists refer to as a burning platform, so we can take our time and uh, and and do it smoothly. Uh, and our uh, our president is actually going to uh, going to spend uh, tomorrow at. Uh, at Meridian's office in uh, in Connecticut, starting a, a conversation with them about the platform and the migration and the integration. You know, so expect that we'll you know, that, that our plans will get refined over the course of the next uh, next couple of months, and that uh, that we'll be giving people plenty of, uh, of notice of a uh, of a roadmap. Great. Um, 
wanted to touch on COVID-19 and the impact that, that you're seeing uh, with your customers and for the company. Obviously, uh, um, with the lockdown, uh, procedure volumes across hospitals and, and visits for physicians have you know dropped uh, dramatically, particularly in April. Uh, we're starting to see some signs of that kind of picking back up. Uh, what kind of rebound have you seen since uh, sort of the trough levels? Um, and uh, you know, you know, how has the how has your business adapted to that? Uh, you know, we talked earlier about uh, sort of the, the the business model payment structure was through payment on collections. Uh, regardless of what services they're using. Uh, talk about sort of how, how you guys adapted for that. Sure. So, uh, you know, COVID-19 obviously has been a, uh, a tragedy around the, uh, around the world. But I'd say for MTBC, the economic impact hasn't, uh, it, it hasn't really been uh, nearly as bad as, as probably it has been for, uh, for others. And, uh, you know, and, and in fact, you know, if, if anything, I'd say, even before uh, even before the Meridian acquisition, you know, we were stronger. Uh, and of course, with Meridian, uh, you know, we're now even stronger, you know, far stronger than we were before. Uh, so yes, we uh, we definitely had seen a, a slowdown in uh, in doctor visits, and roughly about sixty percent of our uh, of our revenue is tied to the uh, the doctor collections. Uh, the other forty percent. That includes uh, software as a service fees and, and printing and mailing fees and practice management fees. So there, you know, there's pieces that are not all uh, directly uh, visit uh, sensitive. So you know, we we took a small hit on revenue, but again, probably not as much as somebody who was who was totally uh, uh, totally just RCM. Uh, I think the fact that we had launched a telehealth platform last year. Which we integrated into uh, into our uh, talk EHR, so it was available to all our uh, all our doctors, uh, and and we were able to uh, to tell them, look, you've got the ability to do telehealth visits. It's integrated into the system. Uh, it's HIPAA compliant and secure. We know how to bill for it, and so if you can't see the uh, patient in person, don't worry. You know, you you can do this uh, remotely. We gave people that message uh, end of last year, and, and, and doctors weren't so interested. And you know, then comes uh, COVID, and all of a sudden, Medicare is now reimbursing for telehealth, and then private insurance follows suit. Uh, and I think that gave our uh, our physicians a a little more uh, of a lifeline than uh, than those who didn't have that capability. Any kind of feedback you've gotten from your clients now that they're starting to get used to telehealth? Is this something that you think your clients will continue to use? Or as the economy has been slowly opening up in various parts of the country, uh, do you think they will kind of move back into uh, their old habits? So, so we think that telehealth is here to stay. And again, there, there's a lot of visits for which telehealth makes sense. There's a lot of visits where it doesn't make sense. And you know, at least what, what we see is that that doctors are going to sort of look at this as, okay, I've now got one more tool in my toolkit. When I've got a, a patient who's less mobile, when I've got a situation where I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving them their, you know, I'm not, I'm not giving the, uh, the young child their measles shot. You know, I can't do it. I can't do a measles shot through, uh, through telehealth. There, there's a lot of kinds of, of examinations where, where the doctor is going to want to be in person. But there's also a lot of cases where that's not 100% necessary, and 
and you know just the ability to see them and make it just that much more convenient uh, for the uh, for the patient means they'll comply and, and do the visit. So so we think that uh, that there's going to continue to be a uh, uh, an interest in that and uh, and so we've at this point actually even integrated uh, the telehealth platform that that we built last year. We've integrated that with CareCloud's platform and uh, and branded it CareCloud Live. So we made it a uh, part of that platform as well. And and, oh. and we think that again, long term, there's going to be a lot of interest uh, in in doctors knowing that there's a capability. And again, anecdotally, we've seen that that a lot of platforms that you know that we would have said you know this this platform is big, it's robust. They've spent ten or fifty times as much on development. You know, we've seen doctors who use those platforms using FaceTime because there is no integrated uh, HIPAA compliant solution. So, so we think that our uh, that our doctor base is in far better shape. That's helpful. Uh, you know, and you know, you kind of touched a little bit on regulations. Uh, you know, obviously in March. Uh, ONC released the 21st Century Cares Act, uh, the interoperability information blocking uh, rules, uh, and also more uh, more uh, clarity around the health IT certification program. How do you, um, what do you, what is the, you as a company doing to comply with the rules? Uh, it, it seems like there will be some um, leniency in terms of timelines, but as you understand it right now, uh, you know, what, what are sort of the requirements on from your end that you need to do uh, to allow get your clients uh, capable uh, ready for this? Yeah, good, good question. So, you know, we, we, we've typically been on the earlier end of, uh, of complying with, uh, with the ONC's timelines, and this is probably not going to be any different uh, because a lot of what's, uh, what's needed, we were already much of the way there. So while there's a little bit of work that, uh, that needs to get done, you know, frankly, the, uh, the documentation, uh, you know, training the uh, training our customers, you know, that that might actually be a bigger activity for us than, than actually doing the work to uh, to comply with it, with the latest regulations. At least within our uh, our native platform, uh, work is also underway on the, on uh, getting a similar uh, capability within uh, CareCloud's platform, and and our technology team. Had already started to uh, to pick up uh, much of the technology work for uh, uh, for the CareCloud platform uh, as they're working on uh, on coming up with a uh, with a merged platform. So again, that'll be pretty straightforward. Uh, we haven't really had the discussions yet with the Meridian team, but if I was guessing, I'd say that it would be again it would actually be uh, be our uh, our technology team offshore. Who would do the work that's needed within the Meridian platform to get that up to uh, to speed? Assuming that we're going to want to get that up to speed uh, and at least uh, you know know that everything was all compliant. So so as we merge the uh, uh, the platforms together and migrate clients, you don't want to do that uh, while you have a firm deadline of of you got to comply. You want to have everything in compliance up front and uh, and then be able to move it at a, at a leisurely space, uh, pace. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you know, in, in the last few minutes here, uh, Bill, and appreciate you for being with us today. Just trying to, what, what should we look out for? Uh, you know, any kind of milestones or any kind of things that uh, we should be looking out for from the company, let's say over the next six to 12 months? What, what are some of the key things you would, you would highlight for uh, investors to pay attention to? Yeah, good, uh, good question. So, 
you know, we uh, in uh, in May, you know, long before long before we bought Meridian or even before we knew Meridian was available for uh, for sale, uh, we had reaffirmed our uh, our guidance for uh, for 2020, uh, saying that uh, that we would do at least 100 to 102 million in uh, in revenue, and you know, now having done this large acquisition. Clearly, we're uh, we're on board for uh, for this to be our first uh, first year over 100 million. Again, for for reference, we were 50 million in uh, in revenue in 2018 and 64 million in revenue in 2019. So, uh, you know, so so look at our previous 35% compound annual growth rate and uh, and say, gee, that's actually going to be in the rearview mirror for 2020 and probably 2021 as the growth is even more significant than uh, than that. And, and and the other side of it is, uh, you know, for us, growth is important, but growth with profitability is uh, is really what we uh, what we strive to uh, to do. So look at us doing the same with uh, with Meridian as we're doing with CareCloud and, and as we've done with previous acquisitions. Uh, Eliminating the uh, the offshore subcontractors and moving that work to uh, to our own team, which cuts the uh, the cost by uh, by anywhere from uh, from 75 uh, 80%. Look at uh, moving some work that's being done uh, even onshore uh, and saying, okay, even in these cases, I can move that overseas and probably cut that cost by 90%. uh, Automating things that can be automated. Uh, reducing the size of, of unneeded facilities uh, and, uh, and and integrating all the uh, the GNA capabilities, so you know, so that we're not running multiple accounting systems and paying multiple sets of uh, of, of you know benefits packages and you know just streamline all that. So you know, so look at us uh, con- uh, again, continuing to uh, to consolidate the uh, the profitability uh, and the cash generation from the uh, from the business, because at the end of the day. You know that's that's what it's all about. You you don't want to just uh, grow, whether it's organic or through acquisition. Uh, you, you want to grow in a way that uh, that becomes more and more profitable each year. And uh, and and we're certainly on track to uh, to continue that trend. Well, that's great, Bill. That's something we'll we'll definitely look forward to seeing in the future here. And and I think that's about all the time we have. And so I want to thank you, Bill, for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, to this podcast and look forward to having uh, everyone listen in uh, on a future one. Thanks, Charles. Appreciate it. Have a great day. Thanks. Take care, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights.